the Feast of Pentecost is one of the most important feasts of the Church. And the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't seem to take His rights well with Christians these days. We don't talk much about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk much to the Holy Spirit, which is wrong, because <laughs> the Holy Spirit is God. Um, and the Holy Spirit, as our Lord just described, is, is one of the greatest gifts to humanity. The Feast of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Weeks, was an Old Testament feast. So everything that our Lord did, as we've talked about before I left, um, everything that the Lord did in the Old Testament was a prefiguring of something that had meaning in the New Testament. right? So when He had Passover, it was a prefiguring of our Lord's sacrifice on the cross, which is a prefiguring of um, the Eucharist. right? So every every the priesthood of the Old Testament was renewed in the New Testament. It wasn't canceled, it was given new meaning. So including the Feast of Pentecost. So the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, um, it was celebrated during the spring harvest, and it came five weeks after Passover, or seven weeks, sorry, which is what we're doing right now. This is seven weeks after um, the Passover. And over time, the festival of the Jews was associated with the receiving of the law. It was associated with becoming officially the people of God. So it was seen as, as, as the, the beginning of the Old Testament church of a covenant made with God. And that's why for us, the, the Feast of Pentecost is the beginning of the New Testament covenant, right? Which is, was the promise. And that's why we read these things. This is why, why St. Peter quoted, saying what Joel said, right? That the, that the new covenant, he said, In those days shall I make a new covenant, with men, and no longer shall any man look to the neighbor and ask who is God or where is God, but I myself will dwell in him, and I will teach him, and this is the coming down of the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't an accident that God sent the Spirit on that same day, right? It wasn't an accident the same day that they commemorate the receiving of the law, or the receiving of the old covenant, that the Lord made the new covenant um, binding over us. And that's why we call it the birthday of the church. That's why this is the beginning of it. And so, I want us to review a little bit the whole economy as we've been doing throughout the year to understand why this is such a big deal. And then a little bit briefly on, on what should be the sign of the Holy Spirit um, dwelling uh, in, in us. So first we talked about the creation, how we were made in the image and likeness of God. And we were created to be sons and daughters, perfect and holy, just like Him. And at the time of creation, it says that our Lord breathed into man a spirit. And in this, in, in this moment, St. Cyril of Alexandria tells us, we received the, the spirit of man, right? The, what makes us different from animals, but we also received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was meant to dwell in us, and it was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that was going to make man immortal and incorrupt. Because man by nature is neither of those things, right? It was only by receiving the Holy Spirit and being... Um, united to Him. But we lost the Holy Spirit. We lost the Holy Spirit, we see a few chapters later, where God says, I won't strive with man. Okay, I'm not going to argue with man. If humans don't want the gift of my grace, I won't compel him to receive my grace. And so it says in the beginning of Genesis that His Spirit was taken away from man. And this was a very big deal because from that point onward, the Holy Spirit didn't live inside of humans anymore. The Holy Spirit only worked externally, right? That's why a prophet was anointed 
with oil. That's why a king was anointed with oil. That's why a priest was anointed with oil, as a sign of, of the gift of the Spirit, and that the Spirit would speak to that person, but was not living in that person. We lost that gift. And that was also the reason why when man passed away, he went and waited in Hades. There was no hope for that person. It was because we had lost that gift. And the Holy Spirit that we lost is God, right? We see from the very beginning of Genesis that the Holy Spirit hovered upon the water. So it was the Holy Spirit was participating in creation. It wasn't a work of God the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is what was giving life. And as we said during Holy Week, the Lord worked with man, not forsaking him, but again working externally to man. He didn't forsake man altogether, but he no longer dwelt in humans. He would sometimes grant gifts and charismas, and that's why we see gifts of prophecy and healing in the Old Testament. We did see some of those, those miracles. We also, as we just said, saw the anointing of prophets and kings. And we still do this, right? When a priest is anointed, when a priest is, is, is consecrated to the altar, he receives an anointing. The same thing with a bishop. The same thing as we saw today with the baptism of, of, of Nala, that we receive the, the chrismation as a sign of the Spirit. And we also say in the Creed, he spoke by the prophets, right? We're speaking specifically of the Holy Spirit. This was his voice. The Holy Spirit didn't come out of nowhere in the New Testament. The same Holy Spirit that, that works today was the spirit of prophecy in the Old Testament. But the Spirit was no longer indwelling in man, and the result of this is that humanity had to be taught and instructed only by those who had the Holy Spirit. Right? That's why we needed to trust the prophets. That's why we needed to trust those who were ordained in the Old Testament. And that's why God said, no longer will that be the case. No longer will it only be by a prophet that you know of my existence or that you know anything about me. And the rest of the people were meant to follow them. Now the issue is that God and sin could not coexist. Right? Is that this is why the Holy Spirit left us. And the prophets themselves were held to a much higher standard because of the receiving of the Holy Spirit. It was not okay for the prophets to live a sinful life. Right? Look at what happened, for example, to Samson, right? The judge, who when he did not live in accordance, he lost his grace. Right? So he had a physical sign of this grace and his strength. And when he forsook the way of God, he lost that gift. He lost his strength. He lost the sign of the Holy Spirit that was working within him. And so without the life giver, we see death, right? When we lost the Holy Spirit, it meant that we died, right? And that's why we call him the life giver. That if you think of an, an apple, an apple goes through growth and it goes through death. And a rotten apple isn't rotten, because the apple was a horrible apple, right? We're not saying that it's, it's a horrible thing and that's why it goes rotten. The natural way of an apple is that it's going to rot, right? The natural way of anything mortal is that it, it dies. And so the natural way of life for humans is death because we are not intrinsically, we're not by nature, immortal. We're immortal only by grace. And so the apple can't find eternal health on its own. Something external has to enter it. Something has to be given to it, a preservative, in order for it to not rot. And that ability for us is the Holy Spirit, right? Is that, that the Holy Spirit has entered into us, and that is what makes us receive immortality and incorruption.
But as we saw, man was still striving with God, and the old covenant wasn't working. The people wouldn't listen to the prophets. In fact, if you're a prophet, you didn't have a very good life expectancy, right? The, the prophets were, were virtually all killed by the people of God. They were not treated well, they were, they were despised. And that's why our Lord spoke to the people very harshly when He came and said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you which kill the prophets, right? Because their, their history with the people of God was, was bloody. It's with this backdrop that the Lord made the new covenant and ties this covenant to Himself in all ways. He explicitly says to us that the covenant is with Him. He says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took a chalice and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them saying, Drink of, all, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sin. So the new covenant is in His name, which was the Passover. And He not only would renew the image and likeness with us, with the Incarnation, but He would also destroy death, which we celebrated in the Feast of the Resurrection, in His tyranny through the descent of Hades, into Hades. And then He ascends to His Father to bridge the entrance of humanity into Heaven. So He's fixing everything, right? Is that man was in paradise, living with God, man fell in sin, man died, man was sentenced to, corrup to corruption. And so now what Christ was doing was saying, okay, I will fix the image and likeness, that's what I'm doing in my incarnation, I am going to destroy death, because that was the result of your sin, and because you were kicked out of paradise living with God, I will enter paradise again with God as in my flesh as a human, so that you now can enter heaven, and then the final thing to be restored for us was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So you can see that all of what went wrong, okay, is being fixed, step by step. And that's why this is the, the concluding of this great season, right, of all of these things um, that happened. He said that no longer will be required to be taught by others, but God Himself, the Holy Spirit, would now dwell in us. Now this is not a small thing, right? We saw the beginning of this in the Feast of Theophany, but now we see it fully in humanity on the Feast of Pentecost. The Lord promised us in His last days, right, which is the, the, what we read every week in the third hour, that He would not leave us comfortless, right? When man beheld God again, everybody was sad and He was leaving. The disciples weren't happy that the Lord was leaving. They were depressed, right? They're like, are you really going to leave us? And He said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but it is important that you receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God Himself living within you. And the Holy Spirit is what you receive after chrismation. It's the grace that you got and that you can keep if and only if you work with Him. There are gifts of the Spirit and there are fruits of the Spirit. In other words, there are signs in a person who lives according to the Holy Spirit. These are the fruits, right? The fruits are, if you're living in the Holy Spirit, what should you look like, right? What are the characteristics that we should see in you? And then there are also specific gifts that the Spirit gives for the salvation of all. But we can only partake of the gifts of the Spirit if we are living a healthy spiritual life. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? What are the signs in somebody if they're actually living the Holy Spirit? St. Paul says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 
if somebody actually is living in the Holy Spirit, that's what they should look like, right? They shouldn't be angry, mean, impatient, rude, unfaithful, right? These are all opposites of the Spirit. And if we're displaying these characteristics, it means that I am not living in the grace of the Holy Spirit. Someone who is living spiritually should show these things, and these are why we call this person a spiritual person. We use the term, but we often forget what it means. They should be full of love, right? Which means that they're denying themselves for other people. They may also be, they may be so full of joy all the time that you feel yourself joyous in their presence. They are stable, right? Random occurrences don't disturb them. They are not upset or easily excited. They are not moved by ways of emotion. People coming and going, someone having a crisis, these things don't move them. They're not apathetic, right? They're not, they're not indifferent to people's suffering um, or sorrow or pain, but they are not affected internally by them. These are your anchors during difficult times, unshaken because of their peace and patience. They are continent, they are not excessive, they are saints. And I've met these people, right? So I'm confident that these things exist. I've seen different people in life with various fruits. Right? I've seen those people who you can expound the worst things of humanity or go through the biggest crisis, and they're so stable, they're unmoved. They're, 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 not, they're not swept up and broken, and what am I going to do, and woe is me, and this is the end of the world. No, they're able to lift up everyone around them through their stability. I look at some of the, the monks, especially the ones I spent a lot of time with, and we see self-control, which is the sign of, of the Spirit. Right? I was talking yesterday about Abuna Lazarus, um, the former atheist who is a, a monk in, in, in St. Anthony's in Egypt, right? who, who one of the, when my first visits to him 17 years ago, one of the things he said was, I allow myself one hour of free thought per day, which is foreign to me as a, as a concept. I don't know how to have one hour of prayer a day, let alone of, of, of it just being that. Why he has enormous self-control as a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that he has, right? It's a, it's a, a fruit of living with the Holy Spirit. I've seen the face of, of certain people who are just in this permanent state of joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit, where if I'm in a bad mood, it's enough for me just to, to look at this person and I find myself feeling peaceful again. I find myself feeling safe. These are fruits of the Spirit. I could go on. The virtue of these people shines light on, because this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is God. It shines light on our lack of virtue, right? When you see something right, it shines on what's wrong in you, right? Because you find that you don't have that. You don't have that joy. You don't have that peace. You don't have that stability. You don't have that patience, right? When you see these people, their, their light shines on your darkness and makes you want to be like them, right? It doesn't become repulsive. It makes you wish to be like them. When I went through that phase of only being critical of the church and everyone in it, it was seeing someone joyous that made me change my attitude, right? I had a, a phase of only pointing out what's wrong with everyone and everything in the church and how uneducated I thought people were and all sorts of, of negative things. But, and I tended to only want to be around people who thought like me. But when... Um, you see somebody who's completely different, you become changed. 
how could I be miserable around somebody who is just so positive? You, it felt wrong. It felt wrong to sit there and, and, and be all worked up when this person was just bubbling over with, with joy and kindness, right? That it, it made me feel the need to be happy and joyous like this person, right? And no matter how much I would whine, it wouldn't affect them. It would just be like, yeah, okay, right? But they were focused on the things that were, on, that were good, right? Which is another sign of the Spirit, right? Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, joyous, true, right? Think on, on these things. And then there are the gifts of the Spirit. So those are the fruits. And this we read today in the Corinthians. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. These are, these are gifts. Okay, These are not things. And note that one of the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of people don't notice this, is faith. Right? Is that the faith, for example, to move mountains is not a normal faith. That's a gift. Right? That's why in the moving of the mountain of, of Muqattam, why the Pope himself, right, couldn't be the one to move the mountain. It was the poor cobbler, right? Samayan, the tanner. Right? He was the one who could move the mountain because he had this gift. And God gives different gifts according to the needs of all of the people of God, and they aren't a thing that you or I or anyone has a say in. Right? If somebody has received a gift, they didn't choose that gift. Right? They didn't get to have, as it says, some will have gifts of healing. Some it's discernment. Right? Some of it's wisdom. These aren't things we have necessarily by nature. They're things that the Holy Spirit gives according to the need that is in the community of, of God. And these also I've seen in our modern times. Right? Many of us think that these are gifts that only happened back in the day, but they haven't. I've seen with my own eyes a monk who, who worked a work of, of healing. Um, who tried to, to hide it, um, but he did, right? Somebody who's living in, in the Holy Spirit. I've seen the gift of prophecy. I've sat in the presence of, of, of certain monks, and it's not just monks that have this gift, and I've met even lay people with this gift. It's not a common gift, right? But it's been there. A gift where the person in front of me knew exactly what I was thinking and what had happened and named things for me, right? I've, had, I've seen a, a monk, and one of the things that you can tell whether something's from a demonic sorceress from God is that the devil can't give you a real timeline of something unless he's the one initiating it. But I've seen even a monk with very with precision when my my dad was in a crisis in in Canada years ago, where he said, "Don't worry, on this specific day, the whole issue is going to be resolved." And it did, and in a most miraculous way. So it wasn't even like it just naturally fizzled down and, and resolved itself. Which I won't go into the details of. Um, right now I've seen the gifts of discernments of spirits right which I saw a monk who had the gift of exorcism and this discernment of spirits is not just about knowing if someone what they're like but a person walked in in front of this this monk priest who's 80 something years old and Abuna only by looking at him immediately actually said this person is not possessed Right, this, this sermon of spirit is 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 very clear. He said this person actually needs a physician. This person is mentally ill. This person is not possessed. Where they're able to see into the soul and see the diseases of the spirit. These are all people who are still alive. Okay, there's one I can say his name. These ones I won't say their name because they're alive. There was one monk who passed away from from my monastery from Saint Anthony's recently, Abuna Tedros. Where even the gift of tongues that we saw on this day. God gave according to need. There was a woman who came from France who had heard of him 
and wanted spiritual advice. And Abuna had no French ability um, and had only his, his Arabic and he wasn't even well educated by Egyptian standards. And so when the person asked to speak with him, she wanted to speak with him privately. So the monks told her, he doesn't speak French. You're gonna, you need to go in with a translator. And she said, no, I don't want anyone to listen to, <laughs> to what I have to say to him. So he went into the church with her and prayed, and she came out so happy. And the monks, who had no idea that Abuna had any gifts of any kind, um, were wondering how she was so happy. And she said, I don't know, I spoke to him in French, I got my answer in French. So we have no idea if Abuna spoke in Arabic and God revealed it to her in French, or if he had, who knows, no one was in there with them. But the woman came out having received what she needed. And so these gifts happen, even within the priesthood. Um, sometimes the Spirit will speak very directly to instruct the priest, and I've seen this in myself and I've seen it with others, and this happens in spite of the priest, in spite of even the righteousness of the priest, because the gifts of the Spirit are not for the individual receiving the gift. They are not for the person. If it was for the person, this would only lead to one thing, which is ego, right? It will become a, a source of a fall. But a gift that is given is given for the sake of the salvation of the people. And I'm giving these examples to say with full conviction that the same Holy Spirit that worked 2,000 years ago on this feast is still alive and working well with those who work with Him. But many of us might say that we do not feel this. Right? Many of us will say that I haven't seen this and I don't have those feelings that you're talking about. And this is because just like in the Old Testament, if I strive against the Holy Spirit, I can quench Him. I can stop the Holy Spirit from working. And this is why we were warned, even in the New Testament, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, do not strive against the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because just like our father Adam and Eve, when they strove against Him, lost the Spirit, so too can we lose the effect of the Holy Spirit. We won't lose His presence in us, that's the promise, that's the seal of the New Covenant, but I can strive with Him till my death and I can quench Him. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? By working against Him. By actively choosing to sin even when there was a will to do good. And that's why the one unforgivable, unforgivable sin is to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, which most of the fathers interpret to mean refusing the work of the Spirit until the moment of my death. Right? Of constantly working against Him until the moment where I die. Who would want to learn, lose such a gift? So the Holy Spirit will teach you, as our Lord said today, He will teach you. He will strive with you. He will fight you. Right? He will tell you, stop what you're doing and return to what's right. He will also comfort you when you are down. Even look at the, 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 the families of these, these martyrs. They have an abnormal comfort, right? It isn't normal for a family to have peace when they lose their children. It isn't normal for a family to have peace when anyone close to them dies in such a violent way. And yet look at the way that these people are comforted. Is It's because it's not human. We say that's not human. That's true. It, it isn't human. It is human to, to, to grieve and, and, and dramatically. But the Holy Spirit is a comforter to us. This Holy Spirit will instruct you and do all of these things. Right? It will tell you what to say and when to do it. 
as we've, we've described some of those times. If we keep our end of the covenant, because this feast is the feast of the new covenant, and the new covenant says, just as the Old Testament, be ye holy, even as your Father in heaven is holy. Holiness is what we are called to be. It is our identity, right? And only in recovering this can we recover a healthy, secure relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. We lost the Spirit by not living in the image and likeness, and we regained it by God restoring the image and likeness. You regained your image and likeness in baptism, and that's why you received your Holy Spirit right after your baptism. But we can lose this gift if we don't live in that image and likeness. In these coming days and weeks of the Apostles' Fast, we will see how the Holy Spirit changed ordinary people, like ourselves, into heroes the same way that He continues to do today. May the Spirit that changed Peter from coward and from blasphemer and from denier of God into the same man who stood and in 15 minutes or less, we read his speech in, in less than four minutes, converted thousands, work also in us that we may become fellow workers with the Spirit rather than those who work against Him. Glory be to our God forever and ever and unto the age of all ages. Amen.